Chapter Six, Jacob, Part Fourteen, of the Legends of the Jews, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Legends of the Jews, Volume One, by Rabbi Louis Ginsberg. Joy and Sorrow in the House of Jacob. Deborah, the nurse of Rebekah, and some of the servants of Isaac had been sent to Jacob by his mother, while he still abode with Laban, to summon him home at the end of his fourteen years' term of service. As Jacob did not at once obey his mother's behest, the two servants of Isaac returned to their master, but Deborah remained with Jacob then and always. Therefore, when Deborah died in Bethel, Jacob mourned for her, and he buried her below Bethel in the palm tree the same under which the prophetess Deborah sat later, when the children of Israel came to her for judgment. But a short time elapsed after the death of the nurse Deborah, and Rebekah died too. Her passing away was not made the occasion for public mourning. Their reason was that, as Abraham was dead, Isaac blind, and Jacob away from home, there remained Esau as the only mourner to appear in public and represent her family, and beholding that villain, it was feared, might tempt a looker-on to cry out, Accursed be the breasts that give thee suck. To avoid this, the burial of Rebekah took place at night. God appeared unto Jacob to comfort him in his grief, and with him appeared the heavenly family. It was a sign of grace, for all the while the sons of Jacob had been carrying idols with them, the Lord had not revealed himself to Jacob. At this time God announced to Jacob the birth of Benjamin, soon to occur, and the birth of Manasseh and Ephraim, who also were to be founders of tribes, and furthermore he told them that these three would count kings among their descendants, Saul and Ishbosheth, the seed of Benjamin, Jeroboam the Ephraimite, and Jehu of the tribe of Manasseh. In this vision God confirmed the change of his name from Jacob to Israel, promised him by the angel with whom he had wrestled on entering the Holy Land, and finally God revealed to him that he would be the last of the three with whose names the name of God would appear united, for God is called only the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, and never the God of any one else. In token of this revelation from God, Jacob set up a pillar of stone, and he poured out a drink and offering thereon, as in a later day the priests were to offer libations in the temple on the Feast of Tabernacles, and the libation brought by Jacob at Bethel was as much as all the waters in the sea of Tiberias. At the time when Deborah and Rebekah died, occurred also the death of Rachel, at the age of thirty-six, but not before her prayer was heard, that she bare Jacob a second son, for she died in giving birth to Benjamin. Twelve years she had borne no children, then she fasted twelve days, and her petition was granted her. She brought forth the youngest son of Jacob, whom he called Benjamin, the son of days, because he was born in his father's old age, and with him a twin sister was born. Rachel was buried in the way to Ephrath, because Jacob, gifted with prophetic spirit, foresaw that the exiles would pass this way on their march to Babylon, and as they passed, Rachel would entreat God's mercy for the poor outcast. Jacob journeyed on to Jerusalem. During Rachel's lifetime, her couch had always stood in the tent of Jacob. After her death, he ordered the couch of her handmaid Bilhah to be carried thither. Reuben was sorely vexed thereat, and he said, not enough that Rachel, alive, curtailed the rights of my mother, she must needs give her annoyance also after death. 
He went and took the couch of his mother Leah, and placed it in Jacob's tent instead of Bilhah's couch. Reuben's brothers learned of his disrespectful act from Asher. He had found it out in one way or another, and had told it to his brethren, who ruptured their relations with him, for they would have nothing to do with an informer, and they did not become reconciled with Asher until Reuben himself confessed his transgression. For it was not long before Reuben recognized that he had acted reprehensibly toward his father, and he fasted and put on sackcloth, and repented of his misdeed. He was the first among men to do penance, and therefore God said to him, Since the beginning of the world it hath not happened that a man hath sinned, and then repented thereof. Thou art the first to do penance, and as thou livest, a prophet of thy seed, Hosea, shall be the first to proclaim, O Israel, return. The Legends of the Jews, Volume 1, by Rabbi Louis Ginsburg Esau's Campaign Against Jacob When Isaac felt his end approaching, he called his two sons to him, and charged them with his last wish and will, and gave them his blessing. He said, I adjure you by the exalted name, the praised, honored, glorious, immutable, and mighty one, who hath made heaven and earth and all things together, that ye fear him, and serve him, and each shall love his brother in mercy and justice, and none wish evil unto the other, now and henceforth unto all eternity, until the days of your life, that ye may enjoy good fortune in all your undertakings, and that ye perish not. Furthermore he commanded them to bury him in the cave of Machpelah, by the side of his father Abraham, in the grave which he had dug for himself with his own hands. Then he divided his possessions between his two sons, giving Esau the larger portion, and Jacob the smaller. But Esau said, I sold my birthright to Jacob, and I ceded it to him, and it belongs unto him. Isaac rejoiced greatly that Esau acknowledged the rights of Jacob of his own accord, and he closed his eyes in peace. The funeral of Isaac was not disturbed by any unseemly act, for Esau was sure of his heritage in accordance with the last wishes expressed by his father. But when the time came to divide Isaac's possessions between the two brothers, Esau said to Jacob, Divide the property of our father into two portions, but I, as the elder, claim the right of choosing the portion I desire. What did Jacob do? He knew well that the eye of the wicked never beholds treasures enough to satisfy it, so he divided their common heritage in the following way. All the material possessions of his father formed one portion, and the other consisted of Isaac's claim upon the Holy Land, together with the clave of Machpelah, the tomb of Abraham and Isaac. Esau chose the money and the other things belonging to Isaac for his inheritance, and to Jacob were left the cave and the title to the Holy Land. An agreement to this effect was drawn up in writing in due form, and on the strength of the document Jacob insisted upon Esau's leaving Palestine. Esau acquiesced, and he and his wives and his sons and daughters journeyed to Mount Seir, where they took up their abode. Though Esau gave way before Jacob for the nonce, he returned to the land to make war upon his brother. Leah had just died, and Jacob and the sons born by Leah were mourning for her, and the rest of his sons, born unto him by his other wives, were trying to comfort them, when Esau came upon them with a powerful host of four thousand men, well equipped for war, clad in armor of iron and brass, all furnished with bucklers, bows, and swords. They surrounded the citadel wherein Jacob and his sons dwelt at that time with their servants and children and households, for they had all assembled to console Jacob for the death of Leah, and they sat there unconcerned, 
none entertained a suspicion that an assault upon them was mediated by any man. And the great army had already encircled their castle, and still none within suspected any harm, neither Jacob and his children, nor the two hundred servants. Now when Jacob saw that Esau presumed to make war upon them, and sought to slay them in the citadel, and was shooting darts at them, he ascended the wall of the citadel, and spake words of peace and friendship and brotherly love to Esau. He said, Is this the consolation which thou hast come to bring me, to comfort me for my wife, who hath been taken away by death? Is this in accordance with the oath thou didst swear twice unto thy father and thy mother before they died? Thou hast violated thy oath, and in the hour when thou didst swear unto thy father thou wast judged. But Esau made reply, Neither the children of men nor the beasts of the field swear an oath to keep it until all eternity, but on every day they devise evil against one another, when it is directed against an enemy, or when they seek to slay an adversary. If the boar will change his skin and make his bristles as soft as wool, or if he can cause horns to sprout forth on his head like the horns of a stag or ram, then shall I observe the tie of brotherhood with thee. Then spoke Judah to his father Jacob, saying, How long wilt thy stand yet wasting words of peace and friendship upon him? And he attacks us unawares like an enemy with his mail-clad warriors seeking to slay us. Hearing these words, Jacob grasped his bow and killed Adoram the Edomite, and a second time he bent his bow, and the arrow struck Esau upon the right thigh. The wound was mortal, and his sons lifted Esau up and put him upon his ass, and he came to Adora, and then he died. Judah made a sally to the south of the citadel, and with him were Naphtali and Gad, aided by fifty of Jacob's servants. To the east Levi and Dan went forth with fifty servants, Reuben, Issachar, and Zebulun with fifty servants to the north, and Simon, Benjamin, and Enoch, the last son of Reuben, with fifty servants to the west. Judah was exceedingly brave in battle. Together with Naphtali and Gad he pressed forward into the ranks of the enemy, and captured one of their iron towers. On their bucklers they caught the sharp missiles hurled against them in such numbers that the light of the sun was darkened by reason of the rocks and darts and stones. Judah was the first to break the ranks of the enemy, of whom he killed six valiant men, and he was accompanied on the right by Naphtali and Gad on the left. They also hewed down two soldiers each, while their troop of servants killed one man each. Nevertheless they did not succeed in forcing the army away from the south of the citadel, not even when altogether Judah and his brethren made a united attack upon the enemy, each of them picking out a victim and slaying him. And they were still unsuccessful in a third combined attack, though this time each killed two men. When Judah saw now that the enemy remained in possession of the field, and it was impossible to dislodge them, he girded himself with strength, and an heroic spirit animated him. Judah, Naphtali, and Gad united, and together they pierced the ranks of the enemy, Judah slaying ten of them, and his brothers each eight. Seeing this, the servants took courage, and they joined their leaders and fought at their side. Judah laid about him to right and left, always aided by Naphtali and Gad, and so they succeeded in forcing the enemy one reese farther to the south, away from the citadel. But the hostile army recovered itself, and maintained a brave stand against all the sons of Jacob, who were faint from the hardships of the combat, and could not continue to fight. Thereupon Judah turned to God in prayer, and God hearkened unto his position, and he helped them. He set loose a storm from one of his treasure chambers, 
and it blew into the faces of the enemy, and filled their eyes with darkness, and they could not see how to fight. But Judah and his brothers could see clearly, for the wind blew upon their backs. Now Judah and his two brothers wrought havoc among them, and they hewed down the enemy as the reaper mows down the stalks of grain, and heaps them up for sheaves. After they had routed the division of the army assigned to them on the south, they hastened to the aid of their brothers, who were defending the east, north, and west of the citadel with three companies. On each side the wind blew into the faces of the enemy, and so the sons of Jacob succeeded in annihilating their army. Four hundred were slain in battle, and six hundred fled, among the latter Esau's four sons, Ruel, Jush, Lotan, and Korah. The oldest of his sons, Eliphaz, took no part in the war, because he was a disciple of Jacob, and therefore would not bear arms against him. The sons of Jacob pursued after the fleeing remnant of the army as far as Adora. There the sons of Esau abandoned the body of their father, and continued their flight to Mount Seir. But the sons of Jacob remained in Adora overnight, and out of respect for their father they buried the remains of his brother Esau. In the morning they went on in pursuit of the enemy, and besieged them on Mount Seir. Now the sons of Esau and all the other fugitives came and fell down before them, bowed down, and entreated them without cease, till they concluded peace with them. But the sons of Jacob exacted tribute from them. The Legends of the Jews, Volume 1, by Rabbi Louis Ginsburg. The Descendants of Esau The worthiest among the sons of Esau was his firstborn, Eliphaz. He had been raised under the eyes of his grandfather Isaac, from whom he had learnt the pious ways of life. The Lord had even found him worthy of being endowed with the spirit of prophecy, for Eliphaz, the son of Esau, is none other than the prophet Eliphaz, the friend of Job. It was from the life of the patriarchs that he drew the admonitions which he gave unto Job in his disputes with him. Eliphaz spake, Thou didst wean thyself the equal of Abraham, and thou didst marvel, therefore, that God should deal with thee as with the generation of the confusion of tongues. But Abraham stood the test of ten temptations, and thou faintest when but one touchest thee. When any that was not whole came to thee, thou wouldst console him. To the blind thou wouldst say, If thou didst build thyself a house, thou wouldst surely put windows in it, and if God hath denied thee light, it is but that he may be glorified through thee in the day when the eyes of the blind shall be opened. To the deaf thou wouldst say, If thou didst fashion a water-pitcher, thou wouldst surely not forget to make ears for it, and if God created thee without hearing, it is but that he may be glorified through thee in the day when the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. In such wise thou didst endeavor to console the feeble and the maimed. But now it is come unto thee, and thou art troubled. Thou sayest, Am I an upright man? Why doth he chastise me? But who, I pray thee, ever perished, being innocent? Noah was saved from the flood, Abraham from the fiery furnace, Isaac from the slaughtering knife, Jacob from the angels, Moses from the sword of Pharaoh, and Israel from the Egyptians that were drowned in the sea. Thus shall all the wicked fare. Job answered Eliphaz, and said, Look at thy father, Esau. But Eliphaz returned, I have nothing to do with him. The son should not bear the iniquity of the father. Esau will be destroyed, because he executed no good deeds, and likewise his dukes will perish. But as for me, I am a prophet, and my message is not unto Esau, but unto thee, to make thee render account of thyself. 
But God rebuked Eliphaz, and said, Thou didst speak harsh words unto my servant Job. Therefore shall Obadiah, one of thy descendants, utter a prophecy of denunciation against thy father's house, the Edomites. The concubine of Eliphaz was Timnah, a princess of royal blood, who had asked to be received into the faith of Abraham and his family. But they all, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, had rejected her, and she said, Rather, I will be a maid-servant unto the dregs of this nation than mistress of another nation. And so she was willing to be concubine to Eliphaz. To punish the patriarchs for the affront they had offered her, she was made the mother of Amalek, who inflicted great injury upon Israel. Another one of Esau's descendants, Anna, had a most unusual experience. Once, when he was pasturing his father's asses in the wilderness, he led them to one of the deserts on the shores of the Red Sea, opposite the wilderness of the nations, and while he was feeding the beasts, a very heavy storm came from the other side of the sea, and the asses could not move. Then about one hundred and twenty great and terrible animals came out from the wilderness at the other side of the sea, and they all came to the place where the asses were, and they placed themselves there. From the middle down these animals were in the shape of a man, and from the middle up some had the likeness of bears, some of them apes, and they all had tails behind them like the tail of the ducapat, from between their shoulders reaching down to the earth. The animals mounted the asses, and they rode away with them, and unto this day no eye hath seen them. One of them approached Anna, and smote him with his tail, and then ran off. When Anna saw all this, he was exceedingly afraid on account of his life, and he fled to the city, where he related all that had happened to him. Many sallied forth to seek the asses, but none could find them. Anna and his brothers went no more to the same place from that day forth, for they were greatly afraid on account of their lives. This Anna was the offspring of an incestuous marriage. His mother was, at the same time, the mother of his father Zibion. And as he was born of an unnatural union, so he tried to bring about unnatural unions among animals. He was the first to mix the breed of the horse and the ass, and produce the mule. As a punishment, God crossed the snake and the lizard, and they brought forth the habarbar, whose bite is certain death, like the bite of the white she-mule. The descendants of Esau had eight kings before there reigned any king over the descendants of Jacob. But a time came when the Jews had eight kings, during whose reign the Edomites had none, and were subject to the Jewish kings. This was the first time that intervened between Saul, the first Israelitish king, who ruled over Edom, and Jehoshaphat, for Edom did not make itself independent of Jewish rule until the time of Joram, the son of Jehoshaphat. There was a difference between the kings of Esau's seed and the kings of Jacob's seed. The Jewish people always produced their kings from their own midst, while the Edomites had to go to alien peoples to secure theirs. The first Edomite king was the Aramean Balaam, called Bela in his capacity as ruler of Edom. His successor, Job, called Jobab also, came from Bozrah, and for furnishing Edom with a king this city will be chastised in time to come. When God sits in judgment on Edom, Basra will be the first to suffer punishment. The rule of Edom was of short duration, while the rule of Israel will be unto all times, for the standard of the Messiah shall wave for ever and ever. End of chapter 6, Jacob End of the Legends of the Jews, Volume 1, by Rabbi Louis Ginsburg.